Hey, we are, we are in the middle of a series called Real Jesus, Real People, and we are going verse by verse through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke is the largest uh, written work in the New Testament. Uh, it is a two-part piece with the book of Acts. So uh, Luke wrote Luke, and then he continued with Acts. We are just going through Luke right now, and um, what we're doing is we are looking at the realities that Luke gave us. Uh, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, Luke goes into extreme detail, uh, more so than anyone else in all of the writers uh, of the New Testament. He goes in, into extreme detail about who this Jesus is and how he interacted with people. And so uh, the hope, the prayer, is that in looking at this for ourselves, um, we might be more convinced of who this Jesus really is, and we might be more convinced of uh, what it looks like for him to be a part of our lives. Uh, let, me, let me pray for us. Lord, uh, uh, we're, we're here, we gathered uh, because of you, and we believe you're real, and we believe that you change lives, and we believe that um, you really showed up on earth, and you really interacted with people, and those people got changed. And so, Lord, we, we come... Uh, expectant, uh, expectant of what you will do in our hearts, expectant of what we know is true of your character, and uh, we are here with open hearts to hear from your word and from the writings of Luke. We love you and we give you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've got your Bibles, um, we're going to be in Luke 5, 1 through 32. If you don't bring your Bibles normally, I'm going to ask you during this series to bring them. Uh, we're going to kind of get into some details, and I think it's really fun to just be able to circle it, underline it, so when you go back to read through it later, uh, you have some notes there. So um, start bringing your Bibles. That would be awesome. We'll start from the top. First verse. Uh, actually, let me give you my title. Go, go back. That's good. That was a good slide. I made that slide, spent time with that slide. Um, the title for today is You Won't Be Needing That. Uh, you won't be needing that. And so uh, we're going to get to see uh, what that looks like. But yeah, Luke 5, 1 through 32. First, first snippet. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of, help me pronounce it, Genesaret. Okay, that feels right. And he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put it out a little bit from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Some thoughts here. Uh, I, I love that very first sentence. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. Um, before we go any further today, that, that's actually been my prayer for this place, would be that we would be a people that are pressing in, eager to hear and to become aware of the Word of God. And so uh, we don't do this normally like when, when I'm preaching, but can we just stop for one minute, and I just want two of us from our body to pray that prayer over this body. Um, so let's just do that real quick. Just two of you out loud. Uh, pray that that would be true of this place, that would be true of those that come through these doors. Lord, we submit ourselves to you for this purpose, that God Jesus 
Amen. May that prayer be true of this place. Lake Genesaret, um, Luke is the only one that titles this body of water uh, Lake Genesaret. You'll know it more commonly as the Sea of Galilee. Uh, John, in his gospel, calls it the Sea of uh, Tiberias. And in the Old Testament, it's called uh, the Sea of Chinnereth, which means harp. If you look at this lake, this body of water uh, from above, it actually looks like the shape of a harp. Um, Luke's the only one that calls it that, and it's a, it's a historical name for this body of water, uh, and it's, it has to do with the region and the land, I believe to the east of it, which is this big, wide, open plain, uh, and that's the word Genesaret, uh, is this big open space, and there is a village and a town right there, and he gives it that name. He's the only one that calls it a lake, which it is. Everyone else calls it a sea, which it is not. Um, but, but kind of interesting. Another interesting fact about this lake, the Sea of Galilee, 18 of the 33 miracles that Jesus will perform in the three years of his ministry, 18 of them he will do uh, either on the shores or near uh, or in the water in some kind of boat uh, on this lake or near this lake. Um, this is the, the lowest freshwater lake in the world. Um, and it is interesting to, to note that Jesus does more than half of his miracles at the lowest spot. Kind of interesting. Um, Another thought from this is we don't don't see any place in here where we believe Jesus actually asked if he could use Simon's boat. Uh, But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats. So he just climbs in, uh, which was Simon's. And then he calls for Simon and says, hey, will you push the boat out? Uh, there's no reference of him asking for, for Simon's approval of this. He just kind of tells him, uh, hey, I'm going to be using this for a bit. And I'll say this, um, all, all is a gift from God that you have. And there are times where uh, he will use your things and he probably won't ask you. And um, <laughs> so just be ready for that. It might be your finances. It might be your home. Um, I know we, we've been in seasons where things have come our way and we realized these things are not our own, uh, but they are his and they are his to be used for his purposes. And um, that's a good reminder. Let's keep going. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we, we toiled all night and took nothing but at your word. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that the boats began to sink. Um, They would have known Jesus to be a carpenter not a fisherman, and Simon, in the nicest way, he knows how to, uh, kind of disagrees with Jesus. He says, like, hey, um, I think he used the word bro. Uh, Hey, bro, (laughs) like, you're not a fisherman, and we've been fishing, and we've been doing it all night long, and it's just not working today, and you're asking me to go throw the nets out in the deep waters, and um, here's the thing you need to know about this, this little sea, the Sea of Galilee, 
is because it's freshwater, you have freshwater fish. Freshwater fish tend to, uh, Bill Thrall will correct me at some point because he's a fisherman, but, but in this lake, um, because of where it's situated in the evenings, the cold wind, the cold air comes down on this lake and it cools off the edges, the shoreline um, of this lake. And so what would happen is because at this time they didn't have huge, deep, deep nets, these nets were small nets, um, they would at night is when they would fish and they would fish the shorelines because their nets could uh, kind of almost trap in the fishes against the shoreline because the fish would come to the shoreline at this time to feed because the water was cooler at this time of day. And when the sun came out and it heat, would heat this little valley up and heat this lake up, the fish would then go back into the middle of the lake down to the deeps. And so essentially what Jesus is asking him to do is to catch fish with really short nets down in the deep waters where their nets can't get to. And he's going, come on, man. Like, re- re- really? Like, we already did it the right way and it didn't happen. And now you're going to do it. Um, but he says something. He says... Uh, First, he calls him master, and then he says, but at your word, I'll go do it. Uh, we, use, we use a word for this to describe what he did. The word is called obedience, and um, there, uh, there has to be an authority um, for, for there to be some position of coming under in obedience, and I don't know how Simon knew to call him master. I, don't, I, I know he showed up, Jesus showed up to Simon's house a few verses earlier uh, and, and healed his mother-in-law from a fever. It says Jesus rebuked the fever. That's a cool way to get a fever out. You rebuke it. Uh, it says he rebuked the fever and it left her. So he saw that and the next day he heard Jesus preaching on his boat and he calls him master and for no other reason other than he chose to come under his authority, he said, you're a crazy man for asking us to do this with these nets, but at your word, I'll go do it. I wonder what that would look like in my life. There's a lot in this book that I find uh, challenging, let's say, that I find confusing even at times, that I find uh, even at sometimes not very practical, and yet I, I so badly want to be someone that says, Lord, at your word, because it's your word, I'll do it. I'll, I'll live that way. I'll choose to come under your authority because I trust you. Um, I think for a lot of us, we live in a position of um, show me the blessing, show, show me the results, and then I will obey. Right? Provide, and then I'll trust. And... Um, Simon just says, I, 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 I don't think you're right on this one, but I will trust you. And then, then something happens that we know about. Let's keep going. But when Simon Peter saw it, um, so he saw the big fish and all, all, all the stuff that they caught. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for now on you will be catching men. 
Um, a lot of thoughts in here that I, that I had as I was looking at it. The first one is that I think oftentimes the church and Christians uh, literally try to uh, scare the hell out of people. I'm not swearing. I literally am meaning like they try to scare people to death um, because there is this place called hell. And if I scare you enough about the reality of where you're heading, um, then maybe you will choose the other alternative. And um, I, I think that works at times. Um, but it certainly wasn't the way that Simon Peter was convicted that Jesus was Lord. He saw the goodness, he saw the blessing of the Lord on his life, and he fell at Jesus' feet and said, get away from me, I'm, I'm a sinful man. Isn't that astounding? It wasn't, it wasn't the fear of hell that caused him to repent and turn. It was the goodness of God. It was the kindness of God. It was the favor of the Lord on his life that he went, oh my gosh. It's astounding. I hope we never get sick of teaching the goodness of our Lord. Um, watch this, watch this, this uh, couple events with Peter on this same lake, probably with the same boat. Um, Watch this. This, this is, there's verses that say perfect love casts out fear. Um, watch this. So that you see this scene and um, he's afraid. says that he's afraid. Um, but then watch this. Uh, a little bit later in Matthew 14, 28, they're out on, on the sea. The disciples are. Simon is there. And there's this, there's this windstorm that comes up. And, and it's, it's rough waters. And all of a sudden, they see this guy walking on the water beside their boat. And watch, watch Peter's response this time. It's not, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He calls out to him and he says, hey, if it's you, call me and I will come to you. There's, there's, this, there's this moving towards jesus because of his love and then watch this final scene this is the last scene this is in john 21 uh, verse 7 and they are fishing again jesus has just died on the cross and they don't know if he will come back they don't know what's just happened and they go back to their norm which is fishing which by the way they hadn't done for several years because they were following jesus and they get back in their boats and they're fishing one day and not having a ton of luck. And this guy, this random guy from the shore says, Hey, hey boys, uh, take your nets and throw them just on the other side of your boat. They're like, what? Like, we've done that. Just do it. And he, they do it, and it gets filled up with fish. And one of the other disciples says to Simon, he says, I think it's the Lord. And it says, while they were a hundred yards out, Simon, it says these words in the Bible, casts himself into the water, and he starts swimming to Jesus. The first time he has become aware of Jesus' love for him, it puts him into this position of, get away from me, I, I don't deserve you. The more he comes accustomed to the love of Christ, he says, hey, if that's you, Lord, I'll come. And finally, he says, even at the chance that it's the Lord, I'm going to just cast myself in the water, and I'm going to run arms open wide to him. That's what love does. Uh, it's my favorite part of my day when I come home and my kids run out the door and run into my arms. And um, I believe the more we become accustomed with the love of Jesus Christ, the more we will be free abandoned 
don't even know for sure if it's him, but I'm going to go running as fast as I can into his arms because he's the safest place. He says to him, you're going to be catching men. Uh, He says, don't be afraid. For now on, you will be catching men. The word men here uh, is actually the word for male and female. Um, There have been critics that will use this to say um, something different than that. We don't need to get into it, but this is him saying, you're going to be catching humans. Uh, And the word catching here is actually catching alive, which is an interesting thought. Not more than three years later, Peter, who is Simon, who Jesus will rename and give him a name called Peter, uh, he will be standing on some footsteps and he will be speaking to thousands of people and 3,000 of them he will catch and they will find the love of Jesus. Um, these words, don't be afraid. Uh, I, I love this about Jesus that uh, Peter says, Simon says to him, Lord, get away from me. I'm a, I'm a wicked man. I'm a sinful, sinful man. And Jesus' response is not, no, you're not, is don't be afraid. I am going to use you for my purposes. You see, uh, many of us have been waiting a long time and trying a long time to get cleaned up so that then he can use us. And Jesus says, stop being afraid of me. Stop trying to get it together. I'm going to use you in the midst of your wicked sinfulness, even though that is who you are right now. I I am here to give you a new name and a new identity. It's beautiful. That doesn't get taught a lot in every church. I heard someone the other day, I was talking to him, he was just someone walking through our campus during the middle of the week, and I, I was out, I was leaving for lunch, and I ran into him, and, and I invited him to come to church, and he said, uh, I'm not the kind of person that belongs in a church. And uh, I told him, told him uh, that wasn't true. And I said, I'm going to teach this Sunday about a guy who didn't think he belonged in church, and the Lord used him to start his church. And um, that's, uh, that, those words, don't be afraid, uh, you could just change those out and say, that is the grace of God. That is the grace of God. Let's keep going. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. The word everything, if you, if you translate it into the Greek, uh, is actually the word Everything. And they did that very thing. Um, The reason he says they is because there are two other fishermen with uh, Simon Peter at this time, and they are John and James. They're the sons of Zebedee. They will be renamed the sons of thunder. And uh, John will be the one that, while Jesus is hanging from the cross and everyone else is gone, John will be standing there with Jesus' mom, and Jesus will look down at John and say, take care of my mom for me. Uh, He was the last one there with Jesus. Um, These boys, they were boys. They they were probably somewhere around 13 to 20. They think Peter might have been one of the older of of the group. Um, But they they just had the catch of their life. Two boats sinking full of fish, and they leave it all behind. 
Like this would be the time where they're about to get rich. They're about to make it. This was their big catch. And um, they say, let's leave that behind. In a sense, you won't be needing that anymore. And um, I, th- I think for, for many of us, we are, we are choosing to put our, we have chosen to put our trust in Jesus and we're waiting for the big catch. And I, I wonder if, um, if for some of us, it would be important to let the big catch go so that Jesus could become real to you. Like I think some of us have uh, what they would call uh, idols, what we might call idols in our life that uh, have maybe been a blessing from the Lord, but we've turned that blessing, that gift, into our God, and we forgot about the giver of the gift. And I wonder if sometimes there is a, a need to leave that behind so that Jesus Christ can become the big catch. Let's go. Let's go a little further. Luke 5, 12 and 13. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and he begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Uh, The word full of leprosy here is is a really important understanding of the condition of this man. Uh, if If you look through the book of Leviticus, it'll talk about leprosy and it uses a bunch of different skin conditions. This man was full of it. And um, what, what you would need to understand is he probably uh, was not walking at this time when your body gets to a position of full of leprosy. Most of your hands and extremities are the first to go. So he would have had nubs of some sort uh, being full of leprosy. Uh, the, the rule was if you were a leper, when you would come into contact with other human beings, they lived in communes outside of the city, but when you would come in contact or you would come towards the city, you had to declare out loud, unclean, 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 so that everyone would know to stay away. And this man sees Jesus walking up, and he falls flat on his face, says face down, and um, as his face is in the mud, he says, Hey, I know that you're able, and if you will, I know you can, I know you can fix me. And um, Jesus does something remarkable here. He touches this man. Like this man has not been touched by another human being his whole life. Leprosy is not something that is onset later on. You, you generally speaking, are born with it. And Jesus reaches out. And he touches him. And the man's face is down. And yet for the very first time, a human being is going to touch his body. Like, like that alone is just like astounding if you think about it. The astounding part is that Jesus didn't clean him and then touch him. Jesus touched him when he was a mess. When no one else in all of humanity would have touched this man... The Savior of the world, your King, the King of Kings, the one who did not have to come down from his throne, that could have stayed in the perfect white castle, chose to walk the streets and touch the messy. 
That's good news for all of us, I think. Um, I'll say it in another way. Don't ever think that your closeness with God is dependent upon how clean you are. Your closeness with Him is built on the trust and reality that you believe that He is good enough and powerful enough and big enough to step into your mess and that you would walk into town and fall at His feet because you know you need Him. All right, let's keep going. That's heavy right in there. There's some stuff in there. Come on. All right, Luke 5, 14. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof of them. Um, Jesus is in the business of changing your name, changing your status, we use the word here a lot, identity. Um, that, that's that's Jesus' ultimate goal, is to give you a name change. And so what he says to this guy that's just been healed, by the way, that would have been one of the most astounding things to see is a man who's got nubs and can't walk and his skin is covered in disease to all of a sudden, it says immediately it left him. Like to see that happen to a human body would have been astounding And he says, stop, hold on, don't do anything. I want you to go find the priest and I want you to show them what has happened so that they can redefine your status in society. He says, stop, don't don't do anything else. I need to go give you a new name. First, go do that. Uh, That is the good news of the gospel right there. Let's keep going. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But... Finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they let him down in his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus. Let's let's go to the next slide as well. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone. <clears throat> Simple story. You can, you can see it. You've heard it a lot of times. You've read this story before. You've heard it taught on a um, big crowd of people in a house, a fancy house. If a house had these kind of tiles on it and this many people could get into it, it was a wealthy home. Um, big old house, and everyone's sitting around. People, it says, from all over the place came. Uh, they're all sitting around to hear Jesus talk. And these boys grab their buddy who is paralyzed, uh, and they bring him on a, on a bed, and they're going to go through the front door, and they realize we can't get into this house. And so instead of turning back and saying, let's wait for another opportunity, they go, 
let's get up on the roof and let's start ripping apart the shingles and let's get them in that way. And you could see their joy, their excitement. This is going to work. And they're looking through the windows. He's like right there and they're figuring it out. And they do. They start ripping apart this roof. And you know, Jesus is standing there going, okay. And it's falling down. And all of a sudden, light comes through the ceiling. And these four boys stick their head through the thing. And they're like, okay. And they start lowering him down on ropes. And one side goes a little low. And they say, I help him. And they get him right on the floor, right in front of Jesus. And Jesus looks up at the boys. And they're doing that. And he looks back to the guy and he says, your sins are forgiven. And you can imagine the boys like, he can't walk. He's, it's, the, it's, the, it's his legs. It's the sins. Sure, 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 sure. Sins, that seems like a thing. But he, we brought him. He's, he's not working well. And, um, and the Pharisees get really frustrated. Only God alone can forgive sins. And so they're angry about that. They yet have uh, not come to the conclusion that he is God. And this will be his first time that Jesus will declare, I am him that can forgive sins. And he does this thing. It's phenomenal. Uh, The town would have associated this man on this bed as a sinner. They believed that if you had something like this, it was because you had done something wrong or someone in your lineage had done something wrong. And so his identity, even though really he's just a paralytic, his identity was sinner. And remember, Jesus is in the business of giving us a new name. And so he says, your sins are forgiven. Starts with that. And they say, well, you can't do that. Only God can do that. And he goes, okay, um, what's, which one's easier? To say your sins are forgiven or uh, to say, get up and walk. Let's read these verses. This is good. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, favorite part of the whole thing, when he perceived their thoughts, that's awesome, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or say rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, you won't be needing that anymore, and go home. And immediately... He rose up and before them and picked up his bed that he was laying on and he went home glorifying God. Um, let's talk about this word faith for a second. Jesus says, or, or Luke records, that Jesus, seeing the boy's faith, he looks at him and he said, your sins are forgiven. Um, You know what faith is. I'm not going to try to define faith for us. Um, It it goes along with trust. But the astounding thing that we need to be aware of is that uh, many of our friends, many of those who have not encountered Jesus Christ and we want them to, they're going to need our faith to get them to Jesus. They're going to need our confidence that Jesus is enough um, for them to become aware of of the goodness and the healing power of Jesus. It's, it's not so much um, like, like just because your parents were Christians doesn't mean like their faith gives you Jesus. Like you, you can't be saved by someone else's faith, but it might be your faith 
in Jesus and bringing those that don't know him to Jesus that allows them to have an encounter with Jesus. Uh, We might need to rely on your faith for a little while. I heard once uh, someone was really sick and we were there and another Christian said to him, the reason you're sick is you don't have enough faith. And I wanted to turn to the guy and be like, well, then your faith ain't as good either because it looks like your faith is the one that needs to carry him. And uh, it's gross when you hear those things, uh, but I heard it. And um, I love that Jesus asked him to pick up his bed. I wonder if later, and it doesn't get recorded, if he yells up to the other boys, come clean up your mess as well. (laughs) I don't don't know. Um, But I love that he tells him to pick up his bed. You're not going to be needing that anymore. Uh, there's this story. Um, let me say it this way. Faith, we, we believe that we are saved by faith. Faith is what saves us, not, not, not our works, not our behavior. Um, and yet there's verses. Uh, let, me, let me find the verse here. James 2.17 says that faith without works is dead. And many will use this to teach. You have to have faith, but you also got to do some good things to be saved. And it's not what it's saying. It's saying true faith, true belief, true trust will have activity and action with it. Uh, There's this hilarious story uh, about a tightrope walker. And he's in France and he's doing these unbelievable performances. He does tightrope between buildings He does them blindfolded. He even does this thing where he walks a wheelbarrow uh, over the tightrope. And finally, this guy from the United States catches word of this this tightrope walker. And he says, I'm going to get him to come to the United States, and I'm going to have him do it over Niagara Falls. And so he calls this guy up. This promoter calls the tightrope walker up, and he says, hey, um, let's get you out to the United States, and I've got this big act that you're going to do, and you're going to do it over Niagara Falls, and it's going to be phenomenal. And you do the blindfold thing, and the place is going to go bonkers. And the tightrope walker says, okay, let's do it. So he comes out, and he sets up the rope. And sure enough, he does it once, fully seen. The next time he does the blindfold, does it. And he gets to the other side, and the promoter's there, and the place is going bonkers. And the guy goes, so do you believe I can do it? And the, the promoter goes, of course I do. I just saw you do it. And he goes, no, like, do you really believe I can walk that tightrope blindfolded? And the promoter goes, uh, yep, just saw you do it. And he goes, no, 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 do you really believe I can do it? And the guy goes, absolutely do. Just said it a couple of times, really believe it, really, really believe it. And he goes, how about we get you in that wheelbarrow? And, <laughs> and uh, you see, true, true faith, I've been saving that one for a long time. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't even really work right, but it's kind of close. Um, faith has action associated with it. And we believe that action uh, is one of these things called love. We believe that faith works itself out in action, which is called love. And um, I, I think it would have been messy for those boys to pick up this kid who had been defined as a sinner, but they didn't care because they had so much faith that they said, let's get him and let's get him to this Jesus. That's faith. It has action. Jesus could see it by their faith. That man was healed. That's pretty legit. We're getting there. You guys doing okay? A lot of verses, but it's church, so what are you going to do? 
Luke 5, 27 and 28. After this, he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and he followed him. Uh, Tax collectors were the most hated people of the time. They took advantage of people. They scared people. They abused people. Um, They held authority over people in ways that uh, very few did in this time. They would have been disliked. I was hearing a message one time, and the guy said, just like use tax collector and then use the phrase IRS, and that feeling you get is similar. Um, I was then listening to that message, and I walked down the hallway in our office, and one of the staff members was on the phone on hold, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm on the phone with the IRS. I was like, boom, there we go, okay. Um, But I love that he left his booth immediately. Uh, You won't be needing that anymore. Let's keep going. Luke 5, 29. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining uh, at the table with him. This isn't as true now, nowadays, but Jesus was kind of a rock star at the front end of his ministry. And uh, Jesus, showing up to Levi's house, made him popular. Isn't that interesting? Uh, I don't know if that's always a thing right now, uh, but for Levi, a hated human being, Jesus shows up and it's packed out. It's packed out with religious leaders. It's packed out with other tax collectors. And it says just the word, others as well. I don't know who they are, um, but it says that. Many of your friends that don't know Jesus uh, would not want to be caught dead in a church, and yet they might enjoy a nice dinner at your home, and you might be able to bring Jesus there. Just a thought, just free advice right there. Let's keep going. Luke 5 30 through 32. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Um, you wouldn't think it was weird if a doctor was hanging around sick people. You'd be like, That seems to make sense. Um, Here's some good news for you and for me, is that um, he came to call you, um, all of us, and one of the things that I love is that he's the one that oftentimes does the calling. If you see Simon, it wasn't Simon saying, hey Lord, can I follow you? It was the Lord saying, come with me, let's go. It wasn't Levi, when Jesus walked by the tax booth where Levi was like, hey, I, I, uh, like, hey, can I, can I come be with you? It was Jesus that said, leave it and let's go. And uh, I like that that's true. I like that that happens. Um, you know what I like about all four of these stories is the, uh, the word immediately. It's in two of them for sure, but the rest of them have that action with it. Uh, for Simon, it says... They immediately took their boats back to the shore and left everything and went. For the paralytic, or for the, sorry, the one with leprosy, it says that immediately it left him. 
for the paralytic, it says immediately he stood up and he grabbed his bed and he took off. And for Levi, it says that he immediately left his booth and followed. I I love that when you encounter the real Jesus Christ, it is not a transformation that takes time. He changes you the moment it happens. He moves in you and changes your wiring and changes your heart and changes your name and changes your status immediately. Now, you're going to learn how to follow him. I don't think a fisherman and a tax collector immediately knew how to follow the king of kings, but they were immediately changed. That's um, something pretty powerful reality of coming in contact with Jesus Christ. I want to be someone that is so confident that I've encountered Jesus Christ that I stand up in that confidence and I walk so proud of what he has done. Glorifying his name is what it said the the paralytic man did. Ran through the streets glorifying his name. I I know for all of us, um, we needed a name change. I know for all of us, we were wounded cripples. And Jesus Christ found us. He called our name, and we are his. And he said, look, just come with me. I I don't care what baggage you have. I don't care what state you're in. Will you just come and be on my team with me? And um, I want to walk in that confidence. I want to walk in that reality. I want to stand strong and declare it to everyone I see. I want to go find the priest and say, I'm not who you thought I was. I am a new person. The other thing that I think uh, we all need to be aware of is that for all of these stories, um, they had to let go of their old identity. They had to let go of their past. For some of us, we have chosen to put our trust in Jesus Christ, but we are clinging to that past. We are clinging to our old name. And one of the healthiest things that you can do is to say, that's not me anymore. I'm not that person anymore. I have been changed. And to say, I I don't need that anymore. That doesn't need to define my life. I can let go of that. I think that's a really, really healthy position. And um, I think it's a scary position. I don't think it was easy, even for the paralytic, even for the one in leprosy. They had lived that way their whole lives. It's all they knew. I don't think it was just like, oh, okay, now I'm all legit now. Like, I think that's hard to let go of your identity. And some of you have been sick for a long time. And it's time you let it go. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to stay in that junk any longer. He's big enough. He's strong enough. And he is doing the work within you. Um, I I love the scene. You guys have seen Saving Private Ryan, the movie, a long time ago. Um, But there's this scene where they're about to go and find Private Ryan. And he needs a translator. The Tom Hanks character needs this translator. So he goes and grabs this, <laughs> this little translator guy, and he's all squirrely and weird, and he's, he's got all this stuff. He's getting ready to go with the Tom Hanks character, and he's got like a typewriter with him, and he's got all this stuff. And Tom Hanks looks at him, and he's like, what are you doing? And the guy's like, I'm getting, you know, I'm ki-. and he's like, just like this. Tom Hanks takes all the stuff, and he's like, you're not going to be needing that. We're going into war. And, he, and they start walking, and he's like, where's your helmet? The guy's like, it's over here. Tom Hanks goes, yeah, you will need that, though. (laughs) 
And I just love that picture of like, you, you just get like, we got some big stuff to do and you're not going to be needing a typewriter where we're going. Simon's name was changed to Peter. Uh, the leper was given citizenship. The paralyzed man was once a sinner, no longer. Levi's name was changed to Matthew. Uh, he was an outcast. And in his association with Jesus, he became likable. One thing is for sure, is that when you encounter Jesus Christ, you'll never be the same. And that's a really good thing. Let me pray. Lord, these are not stories. We know these aren't stories just from the past. That we believe that you are still at work amongst the hearts of your people. We believe we are your people and we long to be transformed by you, Lord. Would you continue to convince our hearts of our need for you? Would you continue to convince our hearts that you are able and um, that you are willing to cleanse us? We love you and we give you our lives. We look forward to worshiping you. In Jesus' name, amen.